This episode is brought to you by the awesome folks who support me on Patreon. A big shout out to my multi tier supporters, Terence C, St. Peaches, Earl B, and Christina N. Moving on to the Tao tier, I want to express my gratitude to Bonkers and Carlu C. And last but not least, a massive thank you goes out to the incredible supporters of the Anito tier. Viren A, Jordan, Roman J, Philip, Mona, and Luna, Hannah, Diwatahan, and Brizzo. To all my wonderful supporters, thank you from the bottom of my heart for making this podcast happen. And if you, my dear listeners, if you want to help support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash tabitabipod and choose the tier that fits your interest. Your support means the world to me and I can't wait to have you on board. Mabuhay and welcome to Tabi Tabi Podcast, a show where we explore the fascinating and often mysterious folklore of the Philippines. I am your host, Ethan. Hi, thanks for joining me today. I hope you're having a great day and thanks for making Tabi Tabi Podcast a part of your week. Did you know that the podcast is turning four years old this Halloween? I don't have much planned, really. I'm still trying to get my life back on track, but we'll have something. For today's episode, though, we are going to talk about one of the most famous creatures in Philippine folklore. So, settle in, my dear listeners, and let's begin. Tikbalang Tikbalang, as described in Filipino folklore, is a mythical creature known among the Tagalog people, and it is portrayed as a towering, invisible being with a distinctive appearance, a horse's face, a human-like body, and a horse's lower half. This creature's formidable and eerie presence surpasses that of an ordinary horse, reaching heights as tall as five towering coconut trees. The origins of the Tikbalang can be traced back 4,000 years ago with its roots intertwined with Hinduism, which gradually evolved into the mysterious half-horse creature known today. The spread of Hinduism from India to Southeast Asia around 200 CE brought with it cultural influences that may have contributed to the concept of Tikbalang. It is suggested that Tikbalang could have originated from Hayagriva, which is an avatar of the Hindu god Vishnu with records of Hayagriva worship dating back to 2000 BCE. The incorporation of Tikbalang into Filipino beliefs likely began with the 1860 discovery of a statue in Cambodia depicting demons associated with Vadavamuka, which is a more radical version of the avatar of Vishnu. Buddhism later transformed the image of Hayagriva into a small horse's head in a crown of fire, influencing the concept of Tikbalang. Interestingly, the concept of Tikbalang evolved over time to reflect the evolving Filipino consciousness through colonialism and globalization. You see, in the pre-colonial period, Tikbalangs were often portrayed as spirits of the forest, often associated with terms like multo and bibit. Early Spanish dictionaries described them as phantoms of the mountains or phantoms of the wild, linking them to nature spirits. In historical dictionaries like San Buenaventura's 1613 vocabulario, they were likened to creatures such as chanaks, satyrs, gnomes, or goblins. And as there were no horses in the Philippines prior to Spanish arrival, 
early accounts did not specify a horse-like appearance. Meaning, in my understanding, before the arrival of the Spaniards, we just thought of Tikbalang as just a spirit in the forest. It doesn't have a face whatsoever. And it's only when horses arrived in the Philippines through Spanish colonial influence, accounts of Tikbalang's appearing horse-like gradually became more common, as seen in San Antonio's 18th century account. Which made me wonder, who started saying that the Tikbalang looked like a horse in the first place? Was that some sort of propaganda used back then to scare Filipinos? I'm not quite sure. Now, in The Creatures of Midnight, a book by Mr. Maximo Ramos, the Tikbalang is classified as a type of demon. Now, that sounds a bit odd, right? Because when we hear the word demon, we immediately think of uh, creatures with horns, the devils, and such. Based on the book, the description of demons are large and fearsome beings, often depicted with burning jewels that never extinguish and a penchant for smoking cigars, albeit with an aversion to fire. And these demons apparently possess the ability to change their size, morphing from massive to minuscule forms. They can transform into various animals like carabaos without horns, horses, pigs, dogs, cats, and roosters, or even manifest as a ball of fire. Their appearance are known to be erratic, with some even lacking heads, pointed ears, or horns. Encounters with these demons can have unsettling effects, causing fear-stricken individuals to experience bouts of insanity. And if you're quite familiar with the Tikpalang, you can see the reason why it is under the category of demons. It is big. It is a fearsome being. It does have a jewel in some description. And it is said to have an unsettling effect on people when you meet it for the first time. But you tell me at the end of the episode if the Tikpalang really fits in the demon category. Moving forward, the Tikbalangs are frequently said to reside in remote, dimly lit, and densely vegetated locals. Legends tell of their homes hidden beneath bridges, nestled with bamboo thickets, lurking in banana groves, or perched atop kalumpang or baleti trees. One intriguing aspect of the Tikbalang is its peculiar fondness for tobacco. It's frequently depicted smoking copious amounts of tobacco while perched on a tree branch, which kinda reminds me of the kapre. Uh, this entity or this tikbalang appear to take pleasure in toying with travelers, like I mentioned before, using their shape-shifting abilities to imitate and interact with humans because, yes, they can imitate other human beings. They can walk and converse with their unsuspecting victims using their human form, leading them astray in the wilderness, blurring the line between tikbalang and a genuine human encounters. They are adept impersonators. So you never really know if you're encountering a real human when you're in the forest or if it's just a tikbalang in disguise. And more often than not, a tikbalang employs a cunning strategy by assuming the guise of a familiar friend or relative who might plausibly be in the vicinity at the time of the encounter. So for example, if you go out to the woods with your friend and your friend somehow managed to like move far away from you, these... Tikbalang would use that opportunity to disguise themselves as your friend who's far away from you at the moment and then lure you, basically, into their lair. 
And this clever deception allows it to gain the trust of its victim, which is you in this case, and luring you, of course, to a remote location, like what I said. Victims may catch a distinct whiff of tobacco before the tikbalang unveils its true form, before it transforms into this monster shape. Those unfortunate enough to cross paths with a tikbalang often find themselves wandering into nearby villages or town, their speech rendered incoherent by the eerie encounter. And attempts to aid these people who encountered the tikbalang or still under the tikbalang spell often result into harrowing accounts of being forcibly pushed, knocked to the ground, and subjected to repeated assaults as the tikbalang torments them. All the while, it leaves behind chilling and mocking laughter. And eventually, when the victim succumbs or ceases to resist the tikbalang's torment, the creature departs, leaving them alone but deeply shaken by the entire encounter. So when you think about it, they're kind of like big bullies. Now, the tales that I mentioned a while ago, these tales, along with other stories of malevolent spirits, often serve as cautionary tales in Filipino culture. Employed by parents to dissuade their children from venturing too far from home, particularly after dark. In local beliefs, tikbalangs are considered spectral entities with the ability to assume diverse forms, and intriguingly, they are believed to bestow gifts upon those they favor. Among the Tagalog people of Rizal province, tikbalangs are viewed as benevolent guardians of elemental realms. It is not uncommon to spot them standing watch at the base of towering trees, diligently safeguarding their territories from any potential threats or disturbances. It is also a widely held belief that if you detect the scent of tobacco smoke while in the company of someone familiar, it could be a tikbalang in disguise. So that's one way to find out if the person you encountered in the woods is a tikbalang or not. If they smell like tobacco, they must be a tikbalang. And one fascinating superstition, actually one of my favorite superstitions, is that when rain falls from a clear sky, it means that a tikbalang is getting married. This belief shares similarities with a Spanish proverb associating rain on a sunny day with a witch's wedding. In this case though, it's the tikbalang getting married. That being said though, do you think the tikbalang marry mortal women or their fellow tikbalang? Because in my research, I didn't find any mention of female tikbalangs. Most of them are just male. And a little bit of side note, did you know that there's this creature that is said to be a female tikbalang? Interestingly, there's a concept known as the angitai, often considered as the female counterpart to the tikbalang. This mythical creature possesses a feminine upper body and the lower body and legs of a horse from the waist down, distinguishing it from the tikbalang. It is important to note that the Angitai is characterized by having a single horn, setting it apart from the unicorn archetype. According to Philippine spirits, the Angitai is known to appear when there's an abrupt rain shower on a sunny day, and it tends to vanish upon realizing it's been spotted. Curiously, this elusive creature is believed to be drawn to offerings of gold, jewels, and precious stones. 
Some speculations even suggest that the Anggitay serves as the female counterpart to the Tikbalang in local folklore, though we're not quite sure about that. I'm sure by now you are curious if the Tikbalang is real, right? Of course you are. But if I tell you there's a supposed way to tame these magnificent creatures, that way you'll finally know if it's real or not. According to one tale, a tigbalang has a mane of sharp spines, the three thickest of which are especially important, or three golden hairs in some other legends. Now, if you encounter a tigbalang, for some reason you were able to encounter this tigbalang, you need to make sure that you get the spine or the three golden hairs because if you don't, you're doomed. He will eat you. But if you're successful, one of these spines or three golden hairs can be used as an anting-anting or a talisman to keep the tikbalang as your servant. How would you do this? Well, obviously, you must subdue the tikbalang first. What method will you use to do this? Well, listen carefully. You need to lip upon it and tie a carefully prepared cord around it. I don't know what kind of cord it is though, so I'm sorry. The would-be tamer, you, must then hold on while the monster kicks and prances frantically because it will try its best to eject you. It doesn't want you on its back. It will do anything and everything in its power to just eject you. And you have to hold on to the reins until it exhausts itself and admits defeat. And once it admits defeat and you're able to get the three golden hairs, then you have a tikbalang servant now. And he will do whatever you want him to do. Serve you for the rest of your life. There is also one belief that Filipino elders have that the talisman or anting-anting from Atik Balang is thought to bring luck and ensure victory in gambling or cockfighting. It is believed to grant robustness and protection from gunshots, endowing the wearer with unique strengths. So maybe if you capture the Tikbalang, you can also ask it for the said talisman. Win-win, right? You've heard a lot about the Tikbalang. You want to visit the wood but you don't want to encounter them. So how would you protect yourself against a tikbalang? Well, protecting oneself from a tikbalang is a matter of adhering to local superstitions. While these beliefs may not have a tangible effect, they are observed out of tradition and respectful folklore. And I too observe them when I go into the woods. One of them is wearing your clothes inside out. Some believe that wearing your clothes inside out confuse or deter tikbalangs, making it harder for them to recognize and interact with you. Number two, you need to ask for verbal permission. Before entering a forest or a unfamiliar area where tikbalangs are believed to dwell, it is common to ask for permission out loud. This verbal request is a sign of respect and serves as a way to avoid offending the tikbalang. Number three, a stingray tail. Carrying a stingray tail with you or hanging one near a suspected tikbalang territory is believed to make them leave the area. This is a protective measure based on local superstitions. Number four, salt and vinegar. Some people carry salt and vinegar with them while traveling in areas associated with tikbalangs. These substances are believed to have protective qualities against supernatural entities. And lastly, 
peel the banana. When eating a banana in the woods, some believe that peeling it from the bottom instead of the top can ward off tikbalang. This is based on the idea that tikbalangs like to mimic human actions, and peeling a banana from the bottom is considered unusual. And that concludes the eighth episode of the podcast about this majestic tikbalang. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned something new. If you liked this episode and you want to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Or you can always become a Patreon member and get cool benefits. Just head over to patreon.com slash tabitabipod. Or you can always donate via Gcash. The information will be posted in the description. Once again, thank you to you, my dear patrons and my dear listeners. Thanks for continuously supporting the podcast. Please stay safe. This has been Ethan. Thank you so much for listening to Tabi Tabi Podcast. I will see you again next week for another episode. Bye!